After today, 80% of May's Tuesdays will have happened, leaving one more to go. While this one is still with us, there are plenty of fake holidays to ponder, including National Escargot Day, National Caterers Appreciation Day, Aviation Maintenance Technician Day, and National Scavenger Hunt Day. Can you find the clues in this May 24th, 2022 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement? If so, please let me know so I can also try to figure it all out. I shall reveal who I am at the end of the program. On today's program, Charlottesville City Council holds the first of two readings on a new mechanism to provide tax relief for city property owners. A public hearing is held for a segment of an east-west commuter trail in Charlottesville. The candidates are in place for the 5th District Congressional race this November. The General Assembly will head back to Richmond on June 1st and details on a planned condominium complex in downtown Belmont. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville area tree stewards continue to offer classes this spring and summer to increase your awareness of our wooden neighbors and to prepare for the future. Coming up on June 7th is a tree identification course taught on Zoom by tree steward Elizabeth Ferguson, followed by a separate hike on June 11th at the Department of Forestry's headquarters near the Fontaine Research Park. That's followed by a tree identification walk at the University of Virginia on June 12th for the public. On June 14th, Rachel Keene will give a lecture on Zoom on the social life of trees. Do trees really communicate with one another? What is a mother tree? And can a tree do anything to repel a pest? Learn more on all of these programs at charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org. We are now three days into the general election stage for Virginia's 5th Congressional District race, now that both parties have selected their nominees for the November 8th ballot. On Saturday, Republicans who attended a convention at Hampton Sydney College in Prince Edward County overwhelmingly selected Bob Good of Campbell County to seek a second term. According to a raw vote count, Good received 1,115 of the 1,303 votes cast. Of the 24 localities with Republican committees, challenger Dan Moy of Charlottesville performed best in Albemarle County, where he got votes from 43 out of 128 convention delegates, and in Charlottesville, where he received 15 out of 28 votes. However, the convention used a weighted system, which gave good 1,488 votes to Moy's 271. Democrat Josh Thronberg got straight to work with a press release, pointing out that the number of votes cast in the convention were less than 0.02% of the population in the 5th District. Thronberg became the nominee earlier this spring when all the other candidates were deemed to not be eligible for the ballot. There's a link to other resources, including other news stories, in the newsletter. A date has been set for the Virginia Senate and the Virginia House of Delegates to return to Richmond to complete the special session that convened on April 4th. The two chambers will convene at 10 a.m., according to the Legislative Information System. 
One of the major pieces of business left to complete is the state budget, and a slate of legislators from both houses have been seeking to work out a compromise to reconcile both versions. There are also several bills that passed both houses, but also have to be reconciled before they can be sent to Governor Glenn Youngkin for action. These include a sales tax exemption for food and personal hygiene products, changes to the makeup of the State Board of Elections, and the establishment of a Virginia football stadium authority. Check back on June 2nd and find out what happened. A new partnership has formed between the city of Charlottesville and an entity that secures open space easements in Virginia, and that will slightly increase the cost of land transactions in the city. Chris Jenzik is a planner in the Parks and Recreation Department. So we have a property owner that we've been negotiating with, and we have a granting agency, the Virginia Outdoors Foundation, that's providing the funding, which has already been appropriated. When complete, the transaction will trigger a $3 fee for recordation of most deeds to go toward a pool of money to allow the Virginia Outdoors Foundation to purchase more land within the Commonwealth. Jenzik said most localities of Virginia already have this arrangement, but the city has yet to record an open space easement within its borders. The property in question would allow for the 250 bypass trail to continue on an already paved trail in the woods to the south of Charlottesville High School toward the Piedmont Family YMCA to the east. The uh, Parks Department's been working diligently over the past few decades to acquire pieces of property to stitch together a trail network for the comprehensive plan. We've been discussing this particular acquisition that's on the west end of McIntyre Park. The public hearing was held to move the transaction forward, but council took no action because there was none on their agenda. That will come when the deal is nearing completion. Rex Linville of the Piedmont Environmental Council said the parcel in question was significant. It is a crucial link in the multi-year effort to create a shared use path that will connect McIntyre Park, YMCA, and CHS to Hydraulic Road. This parcel is also a vital part of a larger four-mile loop that will connect these public resources to Mickey Drive, the Greenbrier neighborhood, and the John Warner Parkway. No city funds will be directly used in the transaction. City Council has approved an action plan for federal funding from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development for the next fiscal year. Staff had suggested making some changes to the process in order to meet HUD's guidelines, but some groups pushed back on some of those proposals. Here's Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders. Uh, Staff will no longer request that the task force be changed to staff advisory. Instead, we're going to focus on uh, identifying income-eligible participants to ensure that the diverse voice is always available. Sanders said the city cannot use federal funds to pay participants to sit on that task force, but local funding can be found for that purpose should council want to ensure participation by low-income individuals. Charlottesville will also stop the process of designating a neighborhood to receive funds for three-year periods at a time. In recent years, projects in Belmont received those funds, despite an influx of wealth. Instead, we will continue to work to identify projects that prioritize investment in those areas for the targeted low-income population to benefit from. 
A project that had been recommended by the task force was $186,376 in funds for sidewalk improvements in the Ridge Street neighborhood. That will no longer be part of the action plan due to a concern that the project would not be completed in time to meet HUD's deadline. Instead, that fund will be returned to the pool to allow from other proposals from the community to be funded for that neighborhood. A second reading and vote on this year's spending will be on Council's agenda on June 6th. Charlottesville City Council will hold a work session with the Planning Commission this afternoon. But before the joint session on transportation matters gets underway, there will be a second reading of an appropriation of $1.5 million in city funds to be used as grants to low- and middle-income property owners. This would replace the long-running Charlottesville Housing Affordability Program that the city had been using to provide tax relief. Todd Divers is Charlottesville's Commissioner of Revenue. We got kind of thrown for a loop um, when... I guess it was pointed out that the way we were running the CHAP program was not entirely kosher. So um, we've kind of scrambled to put together uh, a program that I think is going to get us close to what we were doing. Divers said the previous tax relief program had been justified by the city charter, but now a second avenue to justify the program will be used instead. The director of social services in her capacity as the local social services board will be the official administrator of this program, though um, I will be working in a uh, on a cooperative agreement with her and we'll still be um, effectively managing the program the way we always have. The move also allows the city to increase the threshold for eligibility for participation to a home value of $420,000, which is the average assessed value of a residential parcel in the city. The income threshold will be increased to $60,000. This is a a grant program. This is a grant for needy folks. And the way that we are um, defining that is folks who make less than $60,000 a year and who own a home in the city of Charlottesville. Divers said he estimates an additional 100 people will be eligible now. The second reading is being held today to speed up the process to allow the affordability program to move forward for this year. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for a second subscriber-supported shout-out. This year, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society has been working with a group called the Fields of Honor to identify soldiers who were killed in action in the Second World War. Since February, ACHS researchers have helped locate several photographs of the fallen, including that of Private Clarence Edward McCauley, who was tracked down through high school records. There are 18 remaining photographs to be found, and on Thursday, May 26 at 7 p.m., the ACHS will host Debbie Holloman and Sebastian Vonk of the Fields of Honor Foundation to talk about how you can take part in their volunteer efforts honoring the service and sacrifice of U.S. World War II service members buried or memorialized at U.S. war cemeteries in Europe. That's Thursday, May 26th at 7 p.m. via Zoom or Facebook Live. There are links in the newsletter. One more segment today. A 
Officials with Riverbend Development have offered details on a proposal to build dozens of condominiums on undeveloped land in Charlottesville's Belmont neighborhood. Ashley Davies is a vice president with Riverbend Development. I know on this site in particular, um, I've been working with the neighborhood off and on for at least five years uh, regarding this site. And we've owned it for well over a decade now, I believe. A previous submission that looked more like neighboring CityWalk apartments had gone to a site plan review conference in 2018, but that version did not move forward. A lot of the feedback we got from the neighborhood from that time is just that it it felt like these buildings were too big compared to um, what you see in the rest of the neighborhood. This development would include 130 total units, and it needs city approval on three applications. Both a major subdivision and a site plan can be approved by staff, but a third requires endorsement by elected officials. Matt Alfley is a city planner. A critical slope waiver uh, due to impacts to critical slope, which would require city council action. No date has been set for that planning commission meeting, and a public hearing is not required. The six acres of property span many parcels, which would be combined in the major subdivision. Since 2003, the zoning has been for Neighborhood Commercial Corridor, which allows for mixed use. Most of the buildings will take the form of a four-story building that is constructed in a form known as a two-over-two. It looks like a townhouse-style unit on the outside, but once you go into the unit, it actually has... Um, two units, um, each two floors tall, and um, there's garages on the backside that have um, parking internal to those units. Davies said Riverbend has built these types of units at Brook Hill in Albemarle County, and they have proven to be popular. Eight of the units would be designated as sale to households and individuals at a certain income level per the city's affordable plan. The property is currently being used for automotive repair. One neighbor asked if the site needed to be remediated due to potential contaminants in the soil. Scott Collins is an engineer working on the project. As far as contaminants, they'll be testing the soil as well when the, when the asphalt and concrete is removed and um, checking the, the consistency of the soils, making sure it's not contaminated. If it is, there's remediated measures that has to be in place. The site plan must be approved by staff if it meets all of the technical requirements. Staff has not yet completed a comment letter that will go to Riverbend. People still have until June 15th to make a comment about the site plan or to ask a question. But council will have to approve a critical slopes waiver. And one councillor who attended the site plan conference meeting on May 18th did not like what he saw in the current project taking his cues from a speaker from the Piedmont Environmental Council. Michael Payne said he preferred the previous approach that Riverbend had taken. just would say I'm pretty disappointed where this has ended up. Um, I feel like where this has ended up is the worst of all worlds in terms of, as Peter Krebs said, you know, the most impervious services, the least compact and clustered development, and also the least affordable development. It seems like it's the most sprawled version that will have the most expensive uh, units. And I think it will 
this project just would have been much better off to uh, be more clustered and have more apartments similar to the Belmont Lost Project or City Walk for that matter. One neighbor who didn't support the project suggested the city make a swap with the developer. Here's Deb Jackson. Uh, wouldn't it be lovely if the city could do an exchange with the owners of uh, Belmont Holdings and give them the existing Clark School, which is a gorgeous building, high ceilings, let them turn that into condominiums and uh, turn this site into either a school or a park. More on this and other land use topics in future installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And that is the end of this program. Are you still wondering what my name is? Because I don't know if I've said it yet today. And of course, if you take the first letter of every single word that has been stated in this podcast and then divide that by the number of stars you see in the sky tonight, and then take the quintuple of that and factor it in a binomial equation that will also tell you that if you subscribe to this program through Substack, the company Ting will match that amount. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement, after all, and I am Sean Tubbs. And I do thank you for listening uh, to all of this, including this silly ad-lib part that always comes at the end as I realize I've finally written another one of these. This is number 385. I was incorrect in the last edition. I got the numbers wrong. Uh, so maybe I do have to learn math and not go through whatever gibberish that was I said earlier. Uh, if you have enjoyed this program, as I've said, uh, you can contribute in many different ways. The best thing you can do is to send it on to somebody else to help grow the audience, get more people um, knowing about this program. That is certainly one thing I must do in order to keep making sure that this program keeps getting made. I am Sean Tubbs. I'll be back tomorrow with another installment of the program. In the meantime, stay dry out there and stay informed. And that's what this program is for. It's called Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm called Sean Tubbs. And now I say goodbye. Goodbye.